Well, good morning, Calvary Chapel Irmo, and thank you, worship team. That was a sweet time of fellowship. If you will, you can turn to Galatians chapter 5. I'll eventually get there. Pastor David said I had two hours to teach you guys. <laughs> no, nah, he didn't say that. Oh, is, is this my water? Oh, thank you. I've come up. There was a time when I used to have to bring my own, BYO. Y'all don't know nothing about that. <laughs> yeah, that's what you say. <laughs> Talk to my pastor. Well, it's always good to be in God's house and, and worship, but I really thank uh, Pastor David for inviting me over here again um, to speak with you guys and just share what I believe the Lord wants me to uh, teach with you guys um, this morning. Um, I had to look back to see when I was here the last time. It was in June of last year, I believe, and so I must have did something right because I was invited back again, so praise God for that. Amen. <sighs> so we will be in, um, as I indicated, Galatians chapter 5. title of the message is, Salvation is an event, but living the Christian life is a lifestyle. Salvation is an event, but living the Christian life is a lifestyle. In other words, salvation is a one-time event that occurs, but the Christian walk is a lifestyle of right choices. And we'll get more into that as we get into the work. And for the sake of our study this morning, I'm going to give uh, two definitions. The first one being event. As I indicated, salvation is an event. An event, something that happens, an occurrence. An event is something that takes place, something that occurs. Now, it could be a one-time happening. It could be a weekly, monthly, or even an annual event. But the idea is that event is something that has happened. Everybody with me so far? You want to show that picture? What event was that? Super Bowl, Tom Brady, one of his children, and the trophy. Super Bowl, most people know that event, right? There's an annual event that takes place at the beginning of each year, usually in January or February in sports. February the 3rd, 2019, we were treated to one of the most anticipated and watched sporting events that happens annually, Super Bowl 53. The participants, New England Patriots versus the Los Angeles Rams. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to make this pulpit a sporting event, but I was rooting for the Rams because I'm from Los Angeles. His boo, his boo. <laughs> the Patriots won their sixth trophy. By the way, does anyone know what the first Super Bowl was called? Anybody? You got to be old to know this. Anybody? What was it? That's close. It was NFL, AFL championship. You are old. <laughs> you are old. No, I am too because I remember it. I remember the first. Tell me the first two participants. Bam. That's it. Yes, sir. Yeah. Kansas City Chiefs and the uh, Green Bay Packers. And a few years after that, the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs coined the phrase Super Bowl, Lamar Hunt. 
There are great events that bring great joy in our lives, such as the birth of a child. But there are events that happen that impact us deeply and bring heartache and pain, such as the loss of a loved one. Well, for those of us who are believers, we all have had a great happening, a great event in our lives. A Super Bowl of an event, if you will, that will single-handedly change the course and the direction of our lives for eternity. No greater event will ever take place in the life of a man, woman, or child than making a decision and profession of faith and asking Jesus Christ to become Savior. Turn to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Familiar verse to most of us. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not that of yourself. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. The decision to choose salvation through faith in Jesus Christ will be the most important event that will ever happen in our lives. Event, event, event. However, the decision for salvation is but the beginning of the life of a believer. And indeed, it is a great event, greater than the most exciting Super Bowl that has ever been played. But the life of a Christian is not a one-time event that occurred a few days ago, a few weeks ago, or many years ago, the life of a Christian is a life of living out our faith in a fallen world that is contrary to everything we believe and everything that we strive to live for. But we are exhorted by the writings of the Apostle Paul to live out our faith at a high level of faith and reverence to the Lord. Philippians 2.12 says this, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 13 says, for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. What that saying is work out what God is working in. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, test yourself to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? unless indeed you fail the test. It's our job to make sure that we are living in such a way that our faith is being manifested in our lives. And that can only come from a life surrendered and empowered by the Holy Spirit, a lifestyle, if you will. And so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. I'm going to give you eight principles that should characterize the lifestyle, the life, the walk of a Christian's. So the moment we receive Christ, in that moment we are saved. We have eternal salvation. But allowing the work of sanctification in our lives by the Holy Spirit and living a Christian life is not a one-time event. Second definition, lifestyle, will be defined this morning as this. A way of living that includes habits, attitudes, and moral standards. The book of uh, Galatians is divided into three sections. Chapter 1 and 2 is Paul defining grace. Chapters 3 and 4 is the gospel of grace being explained, the doctrine of grace expounded upon. And then chapters 5 and 6, grace being applied, and that's what we're going to look at today. How do we take this grace that's been so freely 
given to us in the form of salvation and applying it to our lives and living it out. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says that it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Paul writes that we are free from the law of self-righteousness. And we are to stand firm in that freedom. But he also gives us practical guidelines for living that freedom victoriously. And in verse 16, we are told to walk by the Spirit. Therein lies the key. Our lifestyle, our way of life, our walk with Christ is one that is surrendered to and led by the Holy Spirit. So let's take a look. Chapter 5, verse 16 of Galatians says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. I'm going to go through the whole passage, and we're going to come back, and we're going to pick it apart. Verse 17, For the flesh sets its uh, desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition, or contrary, to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy in verse 21, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things, there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. But if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Now going back up to verse 16. First principle I want to give you is Christian life is characterized by walking in the Spirit. Look at it again, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. Literally could be translated, keep on walking. It's a continuous act of allowing the Spirit to lead you. Walk is a common picture of traveling the road of life and making progress upon it. So question, how are you progressing in life? As you're walking this Christian walk, as you're walking in the spirit, how are you progressing? Also, people who walk, I can, am I, at the campus in, in Lexington, I can tell by the walk of some of the men who it is. And so there's a distinct way that we walk that people can determine, discern who it is. So question, how's your walk? Can people determine whether you're a believer or not? So how do you walk? Can others tell by your walk? It should be a walk in the Spirit. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? First, it means that the Holy Spirit lives in you. That's number one. Secondly, it means to be open and sensitive to the influence of the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, it means to pattern your life after the influence of the Holy Spirit. As a believer walks through life, he should depend on the Holy Spirit for guidance and for power. 
In other words, here's the question. In other words, are you guys listening? Say amen. amen. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would it be enough evidence to convict you? They gaffle you up. Popo, that's what they used to call it in my neighborhood. Come and gaffle you up and arrest you. And now you're in court. And they presenting the evidence. Would it be enough evidence to say, guilty, this person is a Christian? That's what it means to walk in the spirit and allow the spirit to lead and guide my life and walk in his power. So that's number one. Christian life is to be characterized by walking in the spirit. Number two, Christian life is characterized by having victory over the flesh. Take a look at verse 16 again. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. If I'm walking in the spirit, then I will have victory over my flesh. Walking in the spirit brings victory. The lust of the flesh will not be fulfilled. The spirit will bring victory in the war against the flesh, but it doesn't happen with my participation. So I want to share a story with you. Some of you may have heard this story before. It's about an Eskimo that had two dogs, one black dog, one white dog. And he always brought these two dogs every Saturday afternoon, and he would pit them against one another, and he would fight them. He trained them how to fight, and he would take bets with these dogs. And it seems like every time that he would bet on a dog, whether it be black or, or white, that dog won. So one Saturday, the white dog would win. Next Saturday, the black dog would win. And so his friend came up to him and said, yo, man, tell me, how is it that you know which one's going to win? Because sometimes the black one wins, sometimes the white one wins. He said, it's simple. The one that wins is the one that I feed. See, I start one and feed the other. And so it is with our spirit. There's this internal battle that's going on within each and every one of us. And depending on which one you feed, you can either feed the spirit or you can feed the flesh. And in this world that we live in, and everybody knows there's a whole lot of stuff out there that we can feast upon for our flesh, right? But it's a decision. It's a choice. You see, God will bring me the victory by the power of the Holy Spirit, but I have to constantly, continually feed my spirit. That's the only way that I'm going to have victory. And so question, what are you feeding? What are you feeding? I heard a story Pastor Chuck said years ago. He used to love football, and he used to watch Monday night football religiously. He was an old football player in college until he, I believe it was his knee that he got hurt, and he couldn't play anymore. But there came a time when he stopped watching Monday night football. Now, Monday night football in and of itself, there's nothing sinful about that. Some religious zealots might think it is, but there's nothing sinful about football. But it is if it gets in the way of my relationship with the Lord and my ability to spend time with him. And so we're not talking about, you know, those out and out blatant sins. We know, you know, those sins that we'll get into later in the deeds of the flesh. But we're talking about things that might in some way impede me from having a relationship with the Lord. And so as I'm spending time feeding my flesh doing that, I'm neglecting my spirit. So take a look in your life. What is it that you need to be setting aside that you can have more time to feed your spirit and not your flesh? And so that's number two. Christian life is characterized by having victory over 
the flesh. The Christian life, number three, is characterized by spiritual battles. Look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, For the flesh sets its desires against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. These things are contrary, or they oppose one another, or they are against one another. The Christian life is characterized uh, by spiritual battles. The spirit and the flesh are in opposition to one another. Before Christ, our spirits were dead. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 1, it says, You are dead in your trespasses and sin, which, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3, Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So here it is here. Before Christ, we were dead in our spirit. And so I didn't have to think about sinning. If my flesh said it wanted it, what did I do? I fed it. I did that without thinking. There was no internal spiritual battle going on. You guys following me? Because the spirit was dead. But here in the word of God, it says that for a believer, there is that internal battle that goes on. The spirit and the flesh are in opposition to one another. So question, if you're naming the name of Christ, is that going on in your life? There should be. Now, as we grow in Christ and mature, you know, we become more uh, victorious in those things that we strive to, to uh, not sin with. But we will struggle with this flesh until Jesus comes and gets us or he takes us home until we're glorified. And so the characteristic in this um, verse is speaking of that internal battle that goes on. That is the Christian life. That's part of our life in Christ. So that's number three. Christian life is characterized by spiritual battles. Number four, Christian life is a life yielded to the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 18. It says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The only way that you can lead somebody is if that person is yielded to that, right? How many of you guys have dogs? How many of you guys have big dogs that you walk with a leash? If that dog don't yield to you, what are you doing? You're dragging the dog down the street, right? Or he pulling you. That's kind of the picture of a person who's not yielded to the influence, to the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be yielded to that. And as we yield to that, God is able to lead us wherever he wants us to go. God's following me. And so uh, our life of a Christian is one that is yielded to being led by the Spirit of God in him. And it says at the end of that verse, verse 18, it says, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The Spirit of God works out sanctification in us, not the law. It's the Spirit of God that does that in our lives. Now we get into these two sections that gives us a picture of the workings of the flesh, sin, and we get 
an opportunity to see uh, the fruit of the Spirit. In verse um, 19, it says, Now the deeds or the works of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, fornication, in other words, which is impurity, that's sexual impropriety, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, Greek word pharmakia, where we get drugs from, enmities, that's hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger. New King James says wrath. That's that person who is continuously bubbling over and, and very angry. It also says dissensions, factions, envying, verse 21, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. And so going back up, it says in verse 19, the deeds of the flesh are evident. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, those are sexual sins. Then it says idolatry, sorcery, those are religious sins. Strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Disputes, dissension, factions, those are social sins, how we treat one another, how we treat others. And then finally, it says, lost my place, drunkenness and carousing. That's when we're uh, party animal, late night party animal. All of these are the workings of our flesh. And so we can tell without anybody coming and telling us whether we're in the spirit or whether we're in the, it says the, the, the deeds are the, uh, of the flesh are going back up to, to verse 19. They are evident. So I don't need anybody to tell me if I'm in the flesh. But sometimes depending on where I'm at or not, if they do, then I get highly upset and offended. And I know I'm not the only one in here, huh? But it also says, and I love, I love the buts in the scriptures, because usually when it says but, there's a good thing coming behind it. And it says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So we've got the Workings of the flesh and the workings of the spirit. Principle number seven. Christian life is characterized. Excuse me. Uh, number five. Characterized by not living in the flesh. Look at the end of verse 21. It says, of which I forewarn, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Practice what, thing, what things? Allowing myself to be led by the, uh, the deeds of my flesh. And what that's saying is anyone whose life is a habitual display of the work of the flesh, Paul says that individual will not inherit the kingdom of God. Which means that you are not a Christian. Living in the flesh does not characterize the life of a Christian. And so if I'm not inheriting the kingdom of God, that means I'm not a Christian. If I'm not a Christian, then I can't live the Christian life. And so the Christian life is characterized by not living in the flesh. But the deeds of the, uh, are the fruit of the Spirit, 
Principle number six is a life that is characterized by the manifestation of the Holy Spirit working in our lives as we yield to him. We get love, agape, that unconditional love that we give. We get joy. Another word for joy is gladness, exceedingly glad, calm delight. We get peace. This word peace is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word shalom, which means not only peace but tranquility and well-being and prosperity and security and safety and harmony. And so we've got two opposites. We've got uh, the Christian life that's characterized by not living in the flesh, but we also have the Christian life that is characterized by the fruit of the Spirit being manifested in my life. And so here's a real good uh, uh, thing for all of us to do at the end of the day, to do an inventory. How would I do today? Was I walking by the Spirit? Were the fruits of the Spirit being manifested in my life? Or was I allowing the deeds of the flesh to take control? No, I'm not going to tell you guys. I'll be telling on myself. Real quick. I was at Walmart. Um, went to the store and I got something. I came back. And as I was putting the stuff in, the, in my car, there was a gentleman who came the wrong way in the aisle that I was in. And then he turned around and he was sitting there waiting for me. And I assumed that he was wanting my park, parking space. So he sat there. But he was sitting where, and I have a small car, but he was sitting in such a way that he would have had to have backed out to let me all the way out. So I put my stuff in there and I get in the car and I look in my rearview mirror and I'm expecting him to leave, right? But he ain't leaving. So I get out of my car and say, excuse me, sir. Could you move back a little bit? Oh, you got plenty of room. You can, you can drive a truck through there. I'm like, oh, my God. And so I knew the right thing to do. The right thing to do was what? Get back in my car. That's the right thing to do, right? Come on, y'all. Y'all know that. Did I get back in my car? No, I didn't. God is my witness. I didn't yell. I didn't get angry. I said, excuse me, sir. I'm just asking. Oh, you got the. I'm like, man, really? Come on, man. And I had on, you turn for Christ, we give away um, sweatshirts for Christmas. I had on my you turn for Christ sweatshirt. He said, yeah, I, how, you think, how you think Jesus looking at you now? I got hot as free grease. Then I was, man. So I went back to my car, and I had a few choice words that I yelled. I'm no profanity or anything, but I lost my temper. And I left. I got almost past white knoll. High school. And the Lord said, where are you going? You know you need to go back. You know you need to go back. I went back, and I was just going to write him a note. You know, I was going to do it the, the, the scared way and put it on there, and the, the cow was waiting then get in my car. He's like, no, you need to go in there, and you need to find him. So I got out of my car, and I went in there, and I couldn't find him. So I did have to write him a note. And I went back in uh, to his car, and I put it on there. I had parked back in the same uh, lane that he was in, and so I had to pass his car to get out. As I was passing his car, he was there. And so I stopped my car in the middle of the aisle, got out, and I went up to him. I said, sir, I left you a note. He didn't even know it. He was on the other side putting stuff in. I went around, grabbed the note off his window, and I handed it to it, and he read it. And he said, and on the note it says, uh, I am sorry, please forgive me for my behavior and my conduct. I said, I hope to see you some point in time in heaven. 
He read it, and he shook my hand, and he said, I'm sorry, too. Now, I don't always act like that. I'm pretty cool and calm and collected for the most part. But we get in the, we get in the flesh, and that's my whole point. We do get in the flesh. But if we yield to the Spirit, God will take us where we need to go and give us what we need to say. And when I left there the first time, I was steaming. But when I, when I left the second time, you know what was going on inside of me? There was a spirit of calm and peace and well-being, and I felt good. I felt good. I felt good. That's the difference in yielding to the, to the, the work of the Spirit of God and manifesting fruit or allowing the deeds of the flesh to take control. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Verse 24. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Number seven principle. Christian life is uh, characterized by putting to death the flesh. This is a command that we are told we have to do. God will not crucify your flesh. You have to do that. And how do we do that? Glad you asked. Turn to Romans chapter 13, verse 11. Romans 13, 11. Do this knowing the time that, is already the, that it is already the hour for you to, to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity or sensuality, not in strife or jealousy. Those are the workings of the flesh. Verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to his lust. Lay aside, take off, put on. This is a picture of taking off clothing and putting on clothing. Putting on Christ is a strong and vivid metaphor. It means more than put on the character of the Lord Jesus Christ, signifying rather let Jesus Christ himself be the armor that you wear. It says take off and put on the armor of light. And then it says at the end of that uh, passage in verse 14, make no provision. In other words, do not make forethought for the flesh. In other words, don't go around specifically planning on how to indulge and gratify your flesh. We have to do that, family. We have to abstain from things that we know are sinful. God's not going to take it out of hand. He's not going to come out. You, you know you're not supposed to have that. He's not going to do that. It says make no provision. Don't allow my flesh to be fed. Don't allow myself to give forethought to, oh, I know how I can do that need to give that to the Lord. So number seven is the Christian life is characterized by putting to death the flesh. And then finally, number eight, Christian life is a life in step with the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 25. For if we live by the Spirit, we also walk by the Spirit. Now this walk is not the same Greek word in verse 
16. In verse 16, that walk was a way of life of actually progressing somewhere. This word literally means to walk in step with or to line up with or be in line. And so what Paul is saying is that if we are going to live that Christian life, our life needs to be characterized by us being a step with the Spirit of God. To be walking with him. Not leading him. Come on, God, I'm going. No, no. He's shepherd, and you're the sheep. He's the shepherd. So I'm in step with him. If he turns to the right, I'm turning where? To the right. If he turns to the left, I'm turning where? If he's keeping straight, I'm doing what? I'm keeping straight. I'm in line with what the Spirit wants me to do. The Spirit has given you life. Now let him direct your steps. I'll read that again. The Spirit has given you life. Going back, look at what it says. It says, if we live by the Spirit, Spirit has given us life, then let us also walk by the Spirit. So if the Spirit of God has given me life, now let him direct my steps. I mean, that's the least we can do, amen? He's given me this new life. He's given me a life exceedingly abundantly beyond all that I could ask or imagine. And so it only makes sense to me to allow the Spirit of God to lead my life and I stay in step with him. A Christian life we see begins with a great event happening in our life. That day, that time, and many of us may be able to remember when we ask the Lord to be Savior of our lives. That's a great event. But then we must live a life, a Christian life, a Christian lifestyle that is characterized by these principles. And these principles are, number one, Christian life is characterized by walking in or by the Spirit. Number two, Christian life is characterized by victory over the flesh. Three, Christian life is characterized by spiritual battles. Number four, Christian life is a life that is yielded by the Holy Spirit. Number five, Christian life is characterized by not living in the flesh. Number six, Christian life is characterized by the manifestation of the Holy Spirit working in our lives as we yield to him. The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, and those things that are the fruit of the Spirit. Number seven, Christian life is characterized by putting to death the flesh, something that God will not do. We need to crucify. And oh, by the way, and I forgot to say this, crucifixion is painful, right? So as I'm putting to, to, to death my flesh, it's not going to, the flesh is like, oh, okay, I'm going to die. Yeah, 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 I'm going to die. The flesh is not going to do that. The flesh is going to be fighting and kicking and screaming because crucifixion is painful, amen? It's not going to be easy. And then finally, the Christian life is a life in step with the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit leads, I'm right there with him. I'm not bucking and pulling this way. When Jesus go right, I go right. When he goes left, I go left. Amen? Thank you, Lord. So, in closing, it's real easy for us to, to look at our lives and determine if our lives are being characterized by the things that God has shared with us this morning. We are called to be the salt of this world. 
sought in these times were for uh, preservation, to preserve food. But salt also makes one thirsty. So as you live your life, your lifestyle, is your life making people thirsty? Is your life a characterization of these uh, principles that are in your life that people can determine that you are a believer, you're a Christian, and again, if you were arrested, they'd have enough evidence to convict you. And I pray that we go home and take a, a look at that because there are many today who profess in the name of, of Christ and call themselves Christian, but family, I tell you, the way they're living, I don't know about that. But we want to be real, authentic, genuine, God-fearing, spirit-led Christians that when people see us, our lives will be characterized by these things and thus they will know that we are Christians. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and bless you and give you glory. Lord, the Christian life is a, is a high calling. But it's also a difficult one. And Lord, we realize that there's no way for us to, in any way, in any way, live that life apart from your spirit. And so, Father, I pray this morning that, that all of us would heed this idea of walking by the spirit, walking in the spirit. God, that you would show up in a real way, manifest yourself in such a way, Lord, and help us to yield to that working of God, Holy Spirit, in our lives. And Lord, that as we yield, Lord, you'll give us victory. We'll have victory over the deeds of the flesh. We'll have victory in our lives. But we realize and recognize that that, that spirit needs to be fed, God. So, Father, give us a desire, a zeal, a, a heartfelt burning, yearning to know you through your word, to spend time with you, Lord God, in prayer, to fellowship, Lord, as we are doing uh, this morning, to gather together, as Pastor uh, David said earlier, Lord God, and be taught of your word, to be fed of your word. It's by that, Lord God, that we grow in strength and in power. And Lord, we want to thank you and bless you for bringing us the victory. Lord, we, we do thank you for that one-time great event of salvation when you revealed to us who your son was and our great need for his forgiveness and salvation. But we also realize, God, that the Christian life is a life of walking, a lifestyle of great decisions that need great choices. So, Father, give us the ability to choose right. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.